As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low-cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Investment advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. Welcome back, folks. Uh, right off the bat, Dan and I wanted to do an experiment to see if we could find the worst possible environment to record audio in, and I think we did it. We are currently sitting in an empty room with plaster walls. Um, I don't know how bad this will sound. I hope it's not horrifying, um, but we have a banger of an episode, so uh, that'll hopefully, the content will make up for the production value this week. Fair enough? Yeah, and we are going to try to keep it a little shorter, but usually when we say that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, because it is Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. And um, yeah, so. Oh, and I forgot really quick. Thank you, of course, to the Norden Group. If any of you slipped in an unmarked puddle at a Walmart or won Powerball this week, you know who to call. Okay. So that, that was a B minus bit, I think. Yeah, you've done better. I've done much better. Um, there is an insane amount of news in the cycling world this week, but we do want to start with uh, Maybird specific uh, news. We've we've got some uh, some results from this week. Well, we just had the the race out in Mesa Verde, which is really like one of my favorite races to do. Period. Oh yeah, and I I had to miss it this year because we're this year was rough. We'll yeah, be back next year. We'll be back next year because we we had to move, um, but. I actually ended up giving my my tickets to the Gibbon twins, who ended up winning the um, the duo category really? overall for that. Yeah, so so that ticket you, was used to greater effect than it would have been otherwise. Exactly. So, yeah, because yeah. I don't think we would have done that great, Joe. Sorry. Well, hey, you know, you never know. Um, um, no, that's super cool. I, you know, from what I hear, we just had an awesome turnout, awesome representation. I guess like it started raining like crazy there and they had to like pull people in off the course and there was oh, a really? storm and I heard like Rocky got stranded out there or something. I don't, I only, I've only heard little bits and pieces, but is Rocky okay? <laughs> I, I did see someone send a message to the team Snapchat that said, are all the Maybird riders accounted for? I saw that this morning when I was going like, to post bikes and I was like, uh oh. Wait, that. Huh. Usually that doesn't mean things are going well. Usually, oh, today's going great. Is everyone accounted for? <laughs> yeah. So I got a little very worried when I saw that, but I, I think I think everyone's good. But awesome representation, super cool. Uh, we've got the Three Peaks race coming up next weekend. Um, it's it's the only I Cup that's actually USAC sanctioned, so you will need a race license to do it, which you can either just get a, a one day one when you when you register, super easy to do. Or the Nike riders, um, there's a code you can use. And the code, I wrote the code on the invite in Team Snap to get your your free annual membership, which I would do that, you know, just so you can. Go snag some points, guys. Yep. Snag some points. Should we do cycling world news now? There was yeah, an there's insane a, there's a lot going amount. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, let's see how fast I can get through this. So. Uh, first mountain bike World Cup of the year, the UCA Mountain Bike World Series, now called the World Series, not the World Cup anymore, started this weekend in Czechia at uh, Nova Mesto. Um, really quick spoilers, if you haven't seen it, five, four, three, two, one. Um, uh, started off uh, with uh, short track, Laura Stieger from Austria, a new up-and-comer on Specialized, won the sprint in the women's field. Um, Tom Pidcock, uh, pulled off what I thought was impossible and not only beat out Luca Schwartzbauer, who is my new favorite rider. Go watch the short track. He pulled the whole time. 
He's this giant German dude, probably has a 2,600-watt sprint. Um, pulled the whole time. At the end, Sam Gaze and Tom Pitcock came around, and Pitcock beat out two of the biggest, baddest, strongest sprinters in the world of mountain biking to win. I did see that in Instagram, and it was just cool. Kind of nuts. Yeah. Almost scary. Um, and then coming around to the, uh, to the uh, cross country this morning, uh, we had uh, uh, a new name. Have you heard of Joshua Dubow? French rider on the oh. rock rider team. Uh, yeah, uh, rode away from the field with Pidcock. It was Pidcock and Joshua Dubow of France, a new up-and-coming young star. Uh, Pidcock pipped him in the end. Nino won the sprint for third against uh, Jordan Soru, but really impressive. I mean, impressive from Pidcock, but also impressive from uh, from uh, Joshua Dubow. So remember that name. Uh, in the women's, uh, we had uh, Dutch cyclocross star Puck Peters beat out Pauline Perron, uh, from Prevost. So more mm-hmm. cyclocross people coming to wreak havoc in the mountain bike world. Um, there's one more result that we have to talk about from this weekend. Okay, this is exciting. If you if you were tuning all that out, this, tune, tune back in. Okay, um, uh, uh, we had a Utah local win the junior women's uh, race. Andy Agard, uh, Bear Devo from Highland, Utah won by 47 seconds. That's insane. So not only winning, that's that's riding away from the field. And this is like a World Cup. Like This is as, she is the best female rider in the world today for her age group. It, no one's better. It's the World Cup. This is as high as you can go. I mean, on this planet, unless there's extraterrestrial mountain bike races we don't know about, Andy Agard is the best mountain biker in the universe today. Which is insane. Which makes me feel a little better because, like, whenever I do the I Cup races, they always start the pro women after us, and Andy just passes me like I'm like I'm standing still. Because usually and, at the I Cups, I, I I the the maybe one elite woman will get all the way through the field to where I am. So it's not unusual for someone to pass me. Andy Agard passed me so early in the race and so quickly and definitively. And I, I, I said this on Instagram yesterday. My first thought was World Cup winner. That oh, is a I've, professional I've predicted, I've predicted she's going to be... Well, I thought it was a bold prediction. I'm like, yep, she's going to be in World Cup. Someday. And, and that was in February, and now it's May. Like, I'm I guess like, today is someday. I, I never would have said she's going to be winning World Cups. I said so, she'd win World Cups, but I thought it would take longer than a few weeks. Yeah, <laughs> like, so she must have eaten some amazing oatmeal or something. That's she must just, be listening to the podcast. Wow, where's you know we didn't get tagged in her in her Instagram post. So, um, but huge huge props to to Andy Agard and to the Bear Devo team. Yeah, it's super cool to see them putting somebody at the top of a World Cup podium. Super yeah. super cool. Um, really quick, I'll hit the Giro. If you've been watching, it's been a, an interesting week. Uh, uh, we had a time trial first uh, first stage. Uh, world champion Remco Evenepoel put 47 seconds into uh, Primoz Roglic, beat Filippo uh, Ghana, best time trialist in the world. Uh, no GC action until yesterday when Primoz Roglic decided to crack out and see if he could drop Remco, and he could. Remco was dropped. Uh, Primoz took uh, Gary Ant Thomas and Tal Gegenhart of uh, Ineos with him. They managed to put 17 seconds into Remco. So Remco is human. Uh, there was a time trial this morning. Remco took those exactly 17 seconds back from Primoz Roglic to win the stage. I still think Remco is the favorite to win the Giro, but it's not as it's not going to be as dominant as we thought. Primoz is still in with a with a shout. So that is cycling news. Uh, for this week, I wish we had and more time to I go into it. I was going to say that was really succinct for you, Joe. Like, oh my you gosh! Pro- oh, I want to talk about so much more. Out, like about all the cycling news for like an entire an episode. entire episode. Yeah, but I do want to do. I have a fun quiz for you today. Uh-oh, I think you'll okay. like this. So, um, and this is all, all cycling news too, which is kind of fun. Um, uh, first question for you here. Uh, after a mountain stage at the Giro this week, the UCI issued a statement condemning the race organizers, the race organizers of the Giro, and five different teams for the use of what controversial recovery technology? Oh. Interesting. Um, hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So after a oh. mountain stage. That is relevant. Uh, ice baths. No. No, I'll give you a hint. They said this this constituted an unfair competitive advantage. Normatech boots. No. Helicopters. Oh my goodness. Okay. Helicopters. Yeah, five teams commissioned helicopters to bring their riders down off of a mountain stage because they said it would take an hour to drive them back in the bus or they'd have to go down in a gondola. And all of these riders have garbage immune systems right now because they've been mm-hmm. doing a grand tour for a week. So if they come in, especially with COVID, 
you know, if they get COVID right now, they can't race, you know, probably get really sick. So, uh, yeah, a few teams worked with the race organizers to uh, commission helicopters for some of their star riders. And the UCI says that's a no-go. You can't do that. It is an un- kind of like a few years ago when, when Sky was putting their riders in motorhomes instead of the, te- the hotels. That they're, yeah, yeah, you can't do that. Okay. They crack down. Okay. Yeah, you know, because I kind of do, I kind of think that's cool. Like commissioning helicopters is always a cool thing. Yep. But I do see why the UCI would say that's. It's kind of an unfair advantage. But. I mean, I don't know. I think that's although, the list of competitive. I mean, if richer really teams have think, advantages, I don't know if there's any way around that. Yeah, they've they've got a lot other advantages that are probably bigger than that. yeah. So interesting. Yeah, that huh? is interesting. Though. Kind of fun. Uh, this one you should know. Uh, two high-profile road brands released cross-country full-suspension mountain bikes oh, this yeah. week. Which ones? Pinarello and. Cervello? Yes, yeah, Pinarello and Cervello. So uh, Pinarello, uh, Tom Pidcock won on that new bike. In- interesting enough, Pinarello's made cross-country mountain bikes in the past, but they were bad, like bad, mm-hmm. <laughs> and insanely outrageously overpriced. We don't know how much this new one will cost. It looks pretty standard to me. There's some interesting technology in the um, uh, linkage and the rear triangle that people are uh, geeking out about. I'm not smart enough to explain it gracefully, but go read about that. Um, and Something then, to do with like angles, right? No, it's it's that they don't have. Shut up, Dan. I was trying to be funny. Okay, well, good shot. Um, you go go read about that. The Cervelo one is interesting because it looks like a blur. Uh, Cervelo and Santa Cruz are owned by the same company, uh, a Dutch company called Pawn Holdings. And the instant the Cervelo came out, everyone was like, "That's just a blur, isn't it?" But upon closer inspection, it is about a degree slacker at the head tube, a degree steeper at the seat tube, a couple of other subtle geometry tweaks, but largely largely similar to the blur, but looks like a cool bike. So if you wanted a blur with slightly different uh, geometry, we'll have pricing on that soon. So uh, my third question here, this is a fun one. <clears throat> this is multiple choice, okay? okay. Um, uh, cycling's obnoxious ex-boyfriend, Lance Armstrong, was in the news this week because, A, he is sponsoring the world's largest dolphin reserve in Key West, Florida, in partnership with Trek Bikes and the World Wildlife Foundation, B, is starring in a new reality TV show that pits him against several other celebrities as they simulate a mission to Mars. Or C, is releasing his first ever musical album with fellow cyclist Jan Ulrich and rap legend Snoop Dogg. One of those is not made up. (laughs) Two of them are. If you made those up, you're just... I made up two of those. You're pretty insane. That's sorry. (laughs) Which one of those is real, Dan? Do you want me to... Okay. So the first one was Dolphin Reserve. Second one was Reality Show. I'm going to say the the song. You think the song is the real one? Yeah. No. That one? Nope. Okay, that one is somewhat feasible. Nope. Nope. Which which is it? Either the Dolphin Reserve or the reality TV show? The reality TV show? It is the reality TV show, yes. Yeah, the Dolphin Reserve. Yeah, he's not doing anything with Trek bikes other than being sued by them ever again. Um, (laughs) No, uh, yeah, Lance Armstrong will be starring along with several other celebrities, football players and actors from the 90s and stuff. Uh, well, they do a show hosted by William Shatner, the Star Trek guy, where they are simulating a mission to Mars, and every day someone gets voted off the spaceship. I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> Interesting. Those are. I, I I got you though. You did. I'm, I got you. I, I spent a long time thinking of those this morning. Is. Interesting. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. No, I thought, you know, I was anticipating you were going to ask me about the new rule for short track. Oh, that you have to use the same bike. That you have to use the same bike, which yeah. I thought that was it. Because you showed this to me that they're like, yeah. you know, they made this new rule where you have to use the same bike in short track. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people use their hard tail Tail for short, short track. track. Yeah. And use the full sus for the XC, XCO. And, um, but now they're making you use the same bike. So mm-hmm. people are taking... There's well, not people. Only really one team for now. Okay. Um, uh, 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 the the Yumbo team actually with this new Cervelo we were talking about, where they've they've replaced the shock with like a I don't know what you'd call that. It's like a brace. That yeah, it's you, a brace essentially that it re- basically turns a full suspension into a hardtail. Yeah, which is I guess that's somewhat it's interesting. It's a little lighter, but it's more rigid. I, it's it saves a little bit of weight. I think it is stiffer. Um, Have they heard of lockouts? Well, but like lockouts, I don't... They're not completely stiff and they they no. weigh a little bit more, so... Yeah, I don't know. I think it's an interesting piece of technology. Buy a $400 brace instead of a $4,000 hardtail. I don't know. Yeah, but then it'd, it'd take you like an hour and a half to swap it over. I don't, I don't see the public adopting this technology, but um, 
That was interesting. I was going to do that, but I already showed you and I figured you'd remember. So oh. um, f considering how much stuff I had to talk about. You did. You was that was that pretty quick? Yes. Okay, <clears throat> because you do have something. I actually told Dan today, I'm like, you know, maybe today's not good for the podcast. Like we can just pick it up next week. But Dan has something uh, that he really wants you guys to, uh, to think about this week. So, Dan. Yes. So, um, you know, we've been having a lot of kids kind of that want some you know, want some guidance for their upcoming Nike season as far as like a, I'm using air quotes, a training plan. Training plan. I like yeah. to call them training guides. Um, but we do have something, and it's just that, it's that spreadsheet I like to make. I like making that spreadsheet because it gives me kind of an overview of the season and just how to progress things. And I can just, it's kind of more like a glance for me. And, and, and it's just how I kind of like map out the progression over a season, you know, so... Um, and I've, I've come up with a version for this current Nike season. And I think, did you put a link to the website on it? I yeah. will be doing that shortly. So by yeah, the time so this the comes time out, it should there be. Will, there will be one. Let me first, before I say anything else, just say that this is really intended for like top varsity level writers. Like yeah. if you are a freshman writer and you're following this, you're probably going to overcook yourself a little bit. Um, so I would say for most people, it probably needs to be watered down a little bit. Could we say if, if you're freshman, take everything, you know, 80% of what well, you're saying or something? It just needs to be watered down quite a bit. And I, okay. um, the reason I don't do a separate one is I think most of the kids that are actually going to follow this are kind of top level mm -hmm. riders anyway. And like we, like we've said a million times for most of you just ride more. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and so today I just kind of wanted to talk and to talk about some of the workouts that that I have in there and just how to execute them. And so, cause like when you, when you look at that spreadsheet, it just gives you like this quick little blip of what it is. It doesn't give you any instructions whatsoever. You kind of have to know what it is. So I just wanted to talk, basically today I just wanted to talk about my favorite workouts. Okay. And specifically my favorite interval workouts. Ooh, this one interval set to prepare you for X race, that YouTube clickbait. We've, yeah. I know no, I keep going on on this. No, they, basically these intervals, they're pretty much the only intervals that work and they're the only intervals that are going to make you faster. Code in, code in bio. <laughs> just kidding. No, and there are so many different ways to get fast and there's, there's only a few things that are bad you know like most most things are good like there's there's just so many different ways to get fast every coach has a little different method and and you know and they all probably work unless you overtrain yourself then they don't work so yep um but these are just these are just some workouts that i really really like i think they cover the base as well and i think they're pretty simple so when you say um, cover the bases really quick, like what do you mean by that? You know, I think if if these workouts I'm going to discuss, if if you do them, you'll be most of the way there. Then okay. add a teeny bit of specificity, like we talked about last week, and and I think things are going to work out pretty well. When I um, when I first kind of started getting into this, and I first got training peaks, I went through and I made this whole library of different workouts, and I had. I have like 50 different workouts and, and each one was really specific and, to, and now I'm kind of down to about five that I actually use or like. And, um, because really, really there's nothing magical about a workout. It's more about your consistency and, and, and like we talked about intensity discipline before, like, you know, if you're, um, you know, when, when it's time to go hard, you really, really go hard. And when it's time to go easy, you go easy. So I, uh, you know, I think that combined with consistency or, or more important than the actual magical formula that your coaches come up with for that day. But they're, they're more like guidelines, <laughs> but so, yeah, I'm, so I'm going to talk about these, these workouts and just how to do them. And I, I think they're good. I like them right now. They're my favorite. And next year they might not be, you know, as I learn more and, um, things go in and out of fashion in the training world. Yeah, well, not, none of this is very new. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's nothing to. Um, Dan's too a fan sure. of saying that there's not really true science in exercise science yet. You know. <laughs> well, so, so let's just, uh, you know, first of all, and we've talked about this a little bit before. You know, like, like when I say structure, usually that comes in the form of intervals. You know, right, and. 
you know, like why, why is there an advantage to having structure or doing things in the form of intervals? I, I mean, in my mind, because it actually makes sure that the work happens. I think for a lot of writers, like they will just like most writers default to just going out and kind of writing easy all the time. Um, I think that's kind of the irony of intervals is that most youth cyclists just kind of do intervals all the time because that's how they like to ride. But I don't actually know. I don't know if I could really answer that question well. Well, let me give you an example of, of you know, why actually organizing your work into intervals is beneficial. And I've talked about this a little bit before, but just the other day I rode with one of our groups and I was just shocked how fast they were. Right. You know, we were climbing, we did a pretty big climb and, you know, one of the kids had a mechanical, I stopped and helped him and, and I'm like, all right, yeah, go see if you can catch the group. And this kid took off and he was, I was shocked how fast he was. And so I was like trying to kind of keep up with him. I didn't want to get dropped. I was working super hard. It ended up being a really, really hard effort. And, and that ride was like, I felt like it was a super hard ride. I kind of felt like I was, I was getting pushed to be able to keep up with the group. I was really, really tired when I was done. And I even added some onto the ride after, you know, and rode for about two and a half hours total. And, um, I went back and I looked at like in, you know, I used a power meter and I was able to look in training peaks and see how much time I spent above threshold, you know, I was, I was curious, you know, and out of all that hard riding, I only spent about 12 or 14 minutes. Oh, about, it was about 12 minutes actually above threshold that really? whole time, but it felt super hard. Right. You know, and so the, a couple of days later, I, I was, you know, I've been super busy lately. It's been a really crazy time for me. Didn't have a lot of time, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do some 30-30s, which is a type of interval work that I like to do. And, you know, I, I rode for about an hour. And in that same hour, I got just as much time above my threshold as I did on the whole hard group ride. But I wasn't nearly as tired, you know, but I was, because I was specifically targeting something, I was able to spend a lot more time at a certain intensity without without as much strain and stress because I wasn't trying to hit everything at once. Kind so of essentially you do intervals because they are efficient, right? Yeah. Like bang, bang for your buck time-wise? Yeah. And I guess effort-wise, they're, they're it's an efficiency thing, huh? They're efficiency, but I think the big reason is, is that you can recover quicker for the same amount of time in zone. Oh, okay. You know, so. You can squeeze, squeeze more training in essentially. Yeah. Well, well, and you, and it's just less stressful because like on, like on hard group ride, you're just throwing every zone, like you're just throwing something at every zone rather than just kind of focusing on something and then recovering. You're just, you're kind of doing it all, which, you know, there's a time and place for that. That's, yeah. you know, when we, um, you know, like I really like to prescribe super, super simple interval sessions and there's coaches and good coaches that like more complex interval sessions because they say it kind of mimics actual real world conditions better. But my thing is, you know, if you want a really, really complex workout, go on a mountain bike ride and ride hard. Yeah. It'll end up being a really complex workout. Yeah. And it's even better if you're doing it with someone that like with someone that can kind of push you through it. And so I, you know, I, I do think that's kind of the value of like a hard group ride is like, you don't really control the pace. You're kind of right you know, you're kind of at the mercy of somebody else to, which I think is really good for specificity, which is something we kind of didn't talk about last week a little bit is kind of, you know, those group rides are good for specificity. They're good because sometimes it's good not to control when to go hard and when to ease up. You kind of have to be at the mercy of somebody else. That's good. So that's, you know, if you want a complicated workout, do an occasional hard group ride or a training race. Um, but we're not really talking about that today. We're talking more about like actual structure, structured work, which like we said, you have the advantage of being able to target certain, certain power zones and, and really hit those areas hard, send really clear signals for adaptation, but then, 
with really, really rec controlled recovery. So you tend to recover from these sessions quicker. You get more work done in less time. Oh, really quick. I also wanted to throw out as, as a tip, if you guys are looking for a place that's really good to do a structured ride, because sometimes it's tricky on a trail where like you might run into a really steep climb when you're on your 30 seconds off or something, you have to pass somebody or, um, the, uh, big mountain, the road is almost totally dry from what I've heard and is currently close to cars. So if you're looking for a place where you can just go and be outside, have a really consistent grade where you don't have to worry about cars and you have a lot of room and stuff, like that would be a really good place to go, you know, do do your 30-30s or something. Because it is, it is kind of, it can be tricky to do these on a trail. Well, and I was, that's actually something I was going to talk about, which reminds me, um, Amy Larkin sent us a really good question. Maybe we can just jump to that real quick, that question she sure, asked. Sure. You remember? So um, she sent us a question. She said, so guys, we're talking. <laughs> so you, sorry, sorry. You. So you guys, we're talking about power on a hill versus power on flats on your podcast. Does this mean that me doing my intervals on my hill at certain watts is not as good as me doing intervals on the flats at the same wattage? Ooh, because we talked about this a little bit on specificity, and I mentioned that like um, it's harder to to do hard intervals on flats than yeah. it is on hill because. Because naturally, when you're on a slight incline or climbing a hill... It forces you to do more power. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you just automatically push harder. But when you're on flats, it's it's easy to go easy. You know? Right, right, like, right. You really have to be more conscious about pushing hard. Um, and that's do you what, use your muscles? I always feel like I maybe am using my muscles slightly differently and you might on flats and on of climbs. The, ang the angle of your bike does yeah. affect it a little bit, which is why, you know, the kicker climb... Yeah. People kind of made fun of it. It actually does hmm. change, you know, it changes your position on the saddle. Usually you're scooting f further forward on your saddle on a climb. Right, right, right. Because um, it is way harder for me to do power on flat. Yeah. Like if I was going to do an FTP test, I, I bet I could get a much higher number on a climb. Yeah, I think, and I think they recommend you do them on flats for that reason. Oh, but, interesting. But yeah, I thought that was a really, really good question from Amy and, and, I always feel weird when she asks me questions because she knows way more than I do about any of this stuff. You know, I think. Well, hey, that's that's the absurdity of this podcast, right? <laughs> you know, but but I think to answer your question, I mean, I think within with under the hood, it's basically the same. You know, you're getting the same physiological benefit. It's just when you're on flats, you just consciously have to try harder to be able to produce that power. Because when you're climbing a hill, it's just kind of, it's forced on you. Yeah, the power's there. And that's kind of something I struggle with with intervals is finding a good place to do intervals is surprisingly tricky. It really is. And and I was going to like talk a little bit about that. Um, and now that we're talking about it, let's talk about it. Um, yeah, finding a good place to do it really is tricky. And personally, I like doing mine on the trainer. And I know a lot of people are kind of anti-trainer. I just love how controlled it is. I love how quickly I can do it. Yep. It's just clean. It's neat. Um, for those that, that don't, and, and it's, it's way more fun to ride outside. You know, right. I, I'll admit that. I, I think the quality of your work is going to be better if you do it on a road. Yeah. Than, than on trails. Yep. Um, you know, and there's, there's a few, like, luckily for us, there's a few good canyons that we have to do these on, you mm -hmm. know, um, like you just mentioned big mountain. That's a good one. Now that the road's closed. Yep. Mill Creek's really good. I mean, immigration's good for immigration's that too. Immigration's great. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just that because Big Mountain's close to cars. That's the nice bit. You know, like you could you could go and safely plug in your headphones on Big Mountain and go ride. As long as, long as you're conscious of people descending on their bikes because it is pretty popular, like it's a much safer place. I feel way safer recommending that than, you know, because of course there are hazards to riding on the road, especially if you're not a driver. You know, some of, if you're listening to this and you don't have a driver's license yet, I don't think you should be riding alone on the road. That's yeah. kind of dangerous. And on, um, as far as like an ideal place to do interval type workouts, I, I think a gradual climb is just perfect. Yep. Because then, you know, if it's super steep, you really have a hard time getting your cadence up. Yeah. Um, it's hard to make sure your recovery is low enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think a nice gradual climb is kind of the ideal place to do it. Um, flat roads. We don't really have a whole lot of flat roads here. Nope. Um, it's Wasatch Boulevard, I guess. But, and and as far as like actually doing these on a trail, you can do them, um, and and that's fine. It's it's hard to find a good place to do the longer efforts. 
mm-hmm. like you know i'm going to talk about some 15 minute intervals it's really yeah. hard to find a good climb on a trail that you can do for a steady 15 minutes and um that but some of the more high intense like the vo2 max type intervals i think there's places where you can do those mm-hmm. on trails and it works out pretty good yeah so, and other places throughout, like when it's not flooded, Sugar House Park's another one I've had good luck with, you know, where it's it's relatively safe and there's, you know, like, and, and well, actually really quick, what do you think about doing a, a little loop like that? And instead of saying every X number of seconds or minutes you do this versus when I hit this climb, I go really hard and then I go easy until I hit it again. Or like, do you think it's better to have it structured by time or is, can you be flexible there? Well, you know, like I say, there's lots of different ways to get fast and that's, you know, that's, um, that's there's there are kind of like two there's like organic intervals you know where you go on a ride and you just hit every climb hard but i think that's what kids just do anyway I'm saying, like if you set up like a specific loop, loop. You we do that do. and that's what we do for skyline you right know, like then, that's a, that's at least a decent way to do it right yeah we kind of pick a course where there's a climb that's that's a certain amount of time and have the kids do a loop around it or another one you could do for like a longer one is you could climb the new rattlesnake trail and then go down rattlesnake because then you'd be kind of trying to practice recovering on a technical yeah, descent. yeah that's what i actually one. thought about that's 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 a good one for, yeah um it's a tough one <laughs> yeah but it's it's a good one. but let's um yeah so so basically first answer amy's question which i thought was a great question i think i think yeah like if you can do a 250 watt interval on a flat versus a 250 watt interval on a slight climb it's going to affect your fitness the same one just takes a little more mental power to be able to do fair enough you know and if you're going to be racing in a flat area you probably should do that just so you can practice that um because it is a slightly different feel. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's move on to my my favorite intervals. Um, so so the well, first of all, I got to talk about Zone Two for just a second. Yep. Because sorry, I we're just, sponsored by Zone Two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, Zone Two is is really what you do between your hard workouts, and you know. It's important that your zone two is it's in, in fact, it's kind of actually difficult to ride at zone two. I found, you know, since I've had a power meter, I found like, like when I'm riding on roads and it's flat, it's really easy to ride in zone one. Yep. And it's a, it's like when on a flat road, it's a little uncomfortable to ride in zone two. Yeah. You know, if you're riding on a flat road, you're, you're probably just, we're just almost used to when it's flat, we ride zone one. Right. Zone two takes a little bit of effort when it's flat. But on a, if there's a climb at all... Then it's, it's, a, it's hard to do zone two because it's, hard you're to do de- zone. it's like your default is a little too high on a climb and a yeah. little too low on a flat, right? Yeah. And, and like, you know, that, that is the nice thing about a power meter. You kind of watch that and you're like, like whenever there's a climb, you really have to kind of ease up. And whenever it's flat, you kind of have to consciously push a little bit harder to and stay like, in zone two. This is the value of a power meter. Yeah. Right here. Like that. You know, and you don't have to stare at it all the time, but you, it helps you get the feel of it, you know. Yeah. Um, but in a, in, it doesn't have to be perfect, but the intent needs to be there. And it's the thought that counts, right? Yeah. You know, so, so this is like... Again, let me emphasize, the majority of our riding should be this. The, the workouts I'm talking about, if you have things kind of structured right, you would maybe, most of the time you would do one of these hard workouts a week and sometimes two. But I think for youth cyclists, I think one's plenty because usually you'll end up having one of your rides that gets a little hard and gets a little out of control and rowdy, which is fine. It's fun, you know. Or you do a lot of training races, you know. So that's why I say that, you know, usually one hard workout a week is, is for most people plenty because you'll have an incidental hard ride somewhere in there or you'll have a train, a race somewhere. So so these workouts we're talking about, for the most part, you do about once, occasionally twice a week, okay? So, um, so the first ones I'm going to talk about are the, you know, and if, if you do kind of follow that, that training guide thing I've put out on the website, um, you're going to see some sweet spot work, which is just abbreviated SS. And my favorite lately has been 15-minute sweet spot intervals. Now, you might ask, what's the magic of 15 minutes? The magic of 15 minutes is it's easy math. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. 
I think there's so much to be said for practicality, stuff like that. Like whether it's this or like dieting or other, you know, like, like do what's practical and sustainable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to do 18 minutes because that makes harder math. You know? Yeah. And, math I mean, is hard. You, you get the same benefit really, but yeah. And, and, um, so sweet spot intervals, um, the, the 15 minute intervals, one, one thing with sweet spot is usually it needs to be at least 10 minutes to really kind of kick on those, those systems, you know? Um, and, and I think 15 minutes is kind of a, a good middle, middle ground. Now sweet spot We've talked about FTP before. Sweet spots just below about ninety percent of your FTP. It's about ninety-five percent of your threshold heart rate. You know, um, I would describe it as you're going on a long ride with a buddy, and he or she's just going a little bit faster than you're comfortable with, but you can hang on still. Yeah, it's it was me with Ryder Jordan on Monday. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's just a little, yeah, just a little bit uncomfortable. That's exactly what it was. And I should say really quick, it's because he's been off the bike since February is, is the only reason that it's a little bit uncomfortable. In a, in a few weeks, it'll be extremely uncomfortable when Ryder recovers. But no, that's kind of what I felt like, though. You know, it's like, it's like I would have a hard time going this hard alone, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, like just mentally more yeah, than you, anything. Yeah, you like naturally wouldn't, you consciously yeah. have to push that hard. Right, right, right. But it's not an all-out effort either. Yeah. It's not... It shouldn't feel like your race pace or whatever. Right, right, right. Even yeah. though in reality it might be. But, yeah, yeah. But, I'm flattering myself. Yeah, <laughs> it was hard. And he's fast. And one thing with with riding at sweet spot is you're breathing hard, but it's very rhythmic and controlled. Oh, okay. Yeah. In fact, they're kind of finding the breathing, studying breathing is kind of the new thing. It's almost more valuable in a lot of ways than, than heart rate. No, I can see that. Cause I like my breathing and racing is, is frantic and like painful, not yeah. like controlled. Cause like controlled hard breathing feels good. Yeah. You know, you're like, Oh yeah, I'm working a little bit. Yeah. Like that's the race breathing does not yeah, feel race breathing's good. out of control. And we'll talk about yeah. that. that kind of breathing is important, but this breathing it's elevated, but it's, it's really, really steady and rhythmic. And you know, if you had a buddy, you could talk to him a little bit, but, not yeah not a whole conversation you could probably sneak out a sentence couldn't recite a poem yeah <laughs> um you know and, and another way i describe these efforts too is that you know they're uncomfortable but when your 15 minutes is up you could keep going if someone held a gun to your head you know you, you but you're glad that they're over right 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 yeah you're kind of like oh thank heavens mm -hmm. but you could have kept going it's not like yeah. you wouldn't fall over if you went right. 16 minutes. So Right, right, right. So that's kind of how they feel. Um, so these, these, type of, uh, these type of efforts, um, how I do them is you, you ride at this pace and you try to keep it steady, you know, like should feel a little. And, and I, I think it's kind of, you, you call it like a negative split effort. Like if you don't have a power meter, no, you're going to try to push a little harder at the end than you are at the beginning. Negative split means your laps are getting faster, not slower. Yeah. Yeah. And, and negative split effort means you're just going to try a little harder at the end of the effort than you did at the beginning. Because the tendency is you just start really, really hard and then just kind of fade off. We're and then on to, that last one, you're just hobbling up the hill yeah, we're, and it we're looks trying pathetic. To, trying yeah. to get away from that a little bit. So you're going to ride for one minute or for 15 minutes. And let's, we'll just pretend like we're going to do this up immigration. Okay. How I do it, you know, you'd ride up for 15 minutes and then you turn around and ride down for a minute or two until you kind of feel better, but you're still breathing a little bit. You're not, your breathing's not back to baseline. You turn around, you'd ride for another 15 minutes up, you'd turn back and, you know, ride down for Always being very careful to check for cars when you're doing these U-turns and everything. Yes. Please, please be you. so safe. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's way easier in a trainer, just saying, but, and, and then you do that, you'd start doing about four of those 15 minute efforts. But the thing about sweet spot is the adaptations that come from this level of training are triggered more by time than intensity. Like bumping up the power of these isn't really going to make you faster the same as doing more of them, spending yeah. more time here. Spending more time is really the goal, not just bumping up the intensity. If you're going to increase one axis, make it the time axis, not exactly. the power axis. Okay. Yes. 
And so, and that's why I like the 15 minute increments is because as you get better and more comfortable with these, you just keep adding 15 minutes onto it. So you first start doing four of these, then you do five of these and you can actually do, you know, I would make it a goal. You know, this is kind of crazy and, and you probably hate yourself that day, but you could really do up to eight of these. 15 minute. It, it's two hours at sweet spot. Oof. Oof. Which... Which is pretty epic. I wouldn't do that every time. But that would be maybe something you could work up to. Yeah. You know, you know, if you're training for point to point, that might be, you know, a big epic workout. You could, But yeah, you're just gradually increasing the time. You know, at first, like four is going to feel like a lot. Yeah. And then, you know, you get to where you can do five. And like yesterday, I didn't have a lot of time. I did six. I was pretty tired. Oh, yeah. I have done eight before and it does kind of suck. But... Maybe 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 you shouldn't do that, but if you're new to this, don't try to do eight out of the gates. No, 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 no. You have to you have to start with four. And, and really quick, I'm gonna I have some harsh words. Don't be that arrogant. It will hurt you. Go in slow. Well, like if, play the long game. And if you start out of the gate and start to do eight, they won't be at sweet spot. That's true. They'll just be like even if even if you're a good rider, just like being able to do this correctly is a skill that takes yeah. time. Don't start with more than four. Yeah, start with four. And if, in fact, actually there. three is probably a better number to start. Okay. With. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, I'm trying to think about anything. Oh, yeah. One, one super th important thing. This type of fitness where it is sub-threshold um, takes a long time to develop. Yeah. And, and typically, you probably won't go stale on these if, if you do them for 10 to 12 weeks. Which means about right now is a good time, you know, if you're if, if you're training for Nike or, or things. Like that, right now is a good time to like incorporate one of these workouts a week, and and I've laid those out in the in the guide. Um, so yeah, so that what that's what it means. Sweet spot, you're right at sweet spot. Fifteen minutes, you rest a minute or two, and you just you keep repeating it. You do three, and then you progress up to six is probably a good number to shoot for and eight, eight if you're crazy. So really, uh, really good workout, especially this time, right? So like right now is kind of the timing to get started on those. So that's, that's my first one. My, my second one is 30 by thirties. Mm -hmm. Love 30 by thirties. Now these are a VO two max type effort, but I kind of think these are like, pre VO2 max type efforts. I think I usually use these to prepare you to get ready for, for VO2 max. And they're super fun. People enjoy them. Like Joe Cochran's been doing the 15 minute intervals and he keeps telling me how much he prefers the 30 by 30s. I'm like, well, yeah. It's not an either or, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of got to do both. Yeah. So um, 30 by 30s, it's, how I do these, and, and these are done at about, like if, you're, if you know what your FTP is, these are usually done about 115 to 125% of your FTP. Um, so, so they're pretty hard. But how you do them is for eight minutes, I will ride, you'll ride 30 seconds at that pace really hard and then you'll recover for 30 seconds. And for eight minutes, you alternate doing that. You know, go on 30 seconds, go off 30 seconds, on 30 seconds, rest 30 seconds. Do that for eight minutes. And then two minutes, you recover. And the reason eight is the magical number is because I used to do these before I had a computer on my bike and I could look at the clock and, and every 10 minutes, that would, that would create a 10 minute block. You know, you have eight right. minutes of intervals, two minutes of rest, that's your first 10 minutes. So it's a super easy way to just kind of do the math on that, you know. Um, that's the magic behind the eight minutes. So, um, yeah, the recovery is just kind of an endurance pace, a zone two. When you're on, it should feel, how, how would I describe it? I, really interestingly hard. Kind of like you would feel if you're, if you're kind of making a somewhat hard move in a race. Okay. You know. The, um, the important thing with these and the challenge and the art of these is that your first 30 second effort and your last 30 second effort should be basically the same wattage. 
what what naturally happens is your first one is like done at 700 watts and mm-hmm. your last one's done at like you, you, 150. You decide you're Nino Schurter for the first one and then the last one you're your grandma, you know? Yeah. yeah. So we it's the negative split effort again, you know, where you okay. got to, you know, you make the first one interestingly hard and then the last one you should kind of just ring yourself out, you know? Right. And, and gradually work up to that in between. So really quick as a, as a practical thing, something I've always wondered is let's say you're doing your 30 by thirties and you're on a single track climb. Cause I think these are probably easier to do on, on single track than like the longer ones. Um, and then all of a sudden in the middle of one of your 30 second blocks, there's like 15 seconds of descending. Do you put a pause on the hard section? Like on, on the, be like, okay, well I'm gonna, if, when I finish this, I'll do another 15 seconds after, or do you just kind of... Your workout's destroyed. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like how do we practically adapt you know to what? things like that? Because I think a lot like, of type A personalities, that drives them crazy, and they'd rather just not do intervals. And, and that's the thing. It's it's re- like your body really isn't going to be like, oh, no, that was like 15 seconds short. Right. Your body really doesn't know. Right. There's nothing that magical about 30 seconds rather than it's really easy math. Right. So if you're doing these on trails. Kind of arbitrary, I guess. If, yeah. If you're doing these on trails, they're not going to be like that clean. You know? Yeah. But the point is, is are you breathing raggedly hard? Are you... You know, are you really pushing some limits and, and right. feeling your legs burn and, you know. Like an occasional little hiccup, don't sweat it. Don't but sweat it. Try to do a place where it's not all hiccups, right? Yeah. Okay. That yeah, makes you sense. Know, and yeah, try to find a smoother trail that's, but, you know, some of your rests might be longer, some of them might be shorter. Again, if you can do these on a trainer or, or like a canyon road. Corner Canyon Road, that's another good one, I guess. Yeah. yeah like the, the main Corner Canyon dirt road. That'd be Even a good the one. quarry trail, I can actually, you can actually do some pretty decent intervals on. There's some. Which I rode yesterday, and it is mostly clear almost to the second bridge, and I was able to get to the top with a significant amount of walking through snow okay. really quick. So, probably should have included that yeah. in the news. So these you should be breathing. Your breathing shouldn't be as rhythmic when you're doing these as, as it is when you're doing like um, the sweet spot workouts. Right. Um, but yeah, these should be really spicy. You know, you should you should really feel like you're getting getting a workout. But they're really kind of fun. Yeah. And then the, the thing I love about thirty by thirties is people like when they start doing them, you can notice yourself getting faster. Yeah. In a relatively short amount of time. Yep. And I, they really don't destroy you for very long. Like yeah. usually you can ride the day after. Right. I found, you know, you, you don't need to take a whole weekend off after doing these as you would on like a super, super hard group ride or something. Um, as far as progressing these, again, I think that, I think it's probably better to, to worry, to focus on spending more time at this intensity rather than bumping up the intensity. And so... You know, these these 10 minute sets, you know, the eight minutes on with the two minute rest, you know, start with doing about four of these and then, you know, you bump up to a fifth set, a sixth set, and then later you bump up to a, maybe a seventh set. Once you get to that point, you could bump up the intensity and go back to four. But for the most part, try to try to like make gains in your time instead of your, what about making it a, I guess 40 seconds makes the math kind of difficult, that, huh? but it would be fine. Same, you know? same. Deal. Another thing you can do too, is you're progressing. You can cut it to 15 second break rather than three. Ooh, okay. Yeah. You know, so the, the 30 by 30, the magic of it is it's easy, it's easy math. Yeah. How many times a week really quick? I know this is like a really basic question, but I'm sure there's somebody wondering how many times a week can we do a hard interval uh, day? Like, is, is there a magic? Like, don't do more than two, don't do more well, than like three. Well, like we said, yeah, this is probably a good reminder. Um, for you cyclists, I say one a week. Okay. And occasionally two. But that's just because you cyclists in it incidentally get hard workouts, another yeah. hard workout. If for, for the, the grown-ups listening to this, don't be afraid of two or three? Two. Two? Okay. Yeah. You'll, you'll see a benefit. If you jump from one to two, you'll see a benefit. If you jump from two to three, you won't see a benefit at all. Probably not so much benefit. Okay. Yeah, at all. Oh, at all. Yeah. It would, Pretty yeah. stark. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. You'd be better spending more time in zone two. You'd get okay. more benefits. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you do one or two a week, but you make them count. Okay. Yeah. They, your body should know that you did something different that day. It wasn't just a normal ride. Like, yeah. Yeah. And really quick, like, and I, while well, you're looking at your notes, I'm going to just put, like, no, I was just turning my screen back on. Oh, okay. Schedule these intelligently. Like, I'd say, like, if you know you've got a dentist appointment this week, and, and you're going to be knocked out having a cavity filled or something, do the intervals the day before. Or if you know that like, oh, I'm, I've, I've got date nights, 
Friday. So Thursday, I'm going to do these. And then like, I would also say like, try to figure out practical ways, like maybe for your zone two rides to make sure you're really disciplined, do those on your trail bike and go plug in an audiobook and do a zone two climb up Canyon hall and then take rush down to, to make sure like, um, don't be afraid of like changing things practically or scheduling things to make sure that the discipline's happening, that the intervals are going to be quality, you know, like, um, if you want to, like, if I want to go ride with my girlfriend, maybe I'll be like, oh, and you know what, maybe that'll be kind of a zone two day. Like I'll do a thing all the time where it's like, I'll go ride with her and then we go back to the house and then I do more ride. Like, like be flexible, figure out ways to make this sustainable. Cause I think that's, I think it's a bummer when I see kids put in a season or two of really hard work and they just do it in kind of an unsustainable way. That's not fun or rewarding and it falls apart. Like figure out ways to make this like a natural flow for you where it's intuitive for you to be including interval work all the time. And, you know, so you're actually progressing over the long term. Yeah, that's a good point because the cleanest and easiest way to do these is on like a canyon road or a yep. trainer. Yeah. But if, if you hate that, you're not going to do it very long. Oh, yeah. You know, so except intervals that are 70 percent as good if you're going to do them for the next 70 years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so if, if you don't like doing intervals up canyon roads or on trainers, you can incorporate this into trail riding. Mm -hmm. um, it won't be as clean and as tidy, but it'll still be beneficial. Yeah. And, you know, as long as you're pushing your limits a little bit and making your body shake it up a little bit, you'll, you'll still get lots of benefits. Because for me, but, really quick, I, intervals have never been an intuitive part of my riding. I've, I've, I'm, and I'm trying this season to figure out ways to make sure I actually do them. But I will say, because Joe's style of riding is you go out and like do a really, really hard ride, include some really hard efforts. Yeah. A lot of times, though, that ends up feeling harder than it actually than it actually is. <laughs> well, and be and still being harder than it actually is in terms of how long you have to recover. Yeah, because yeah, it'll make you really sore and everything. Um, so yeah, I need to work on that. That's my big, well, one of my big issues in cycling. So um, thirty by thirties, you know, any type of VO two max type work, you know, zone five six work, you know, typically plateaus. You know, usually about six weeks is about. Kind of where it starts to peak those the benefits start to peak and kind of starts plateauing around eight weeks um, so you can do your 30 by 30s and the ones we're going to talk about next combined for about six to eight weeks okay so but like i said um 30 by 30s i, I like to call them kind of pre-intervals pre they're they're great for like you know usually the kids are doing like the national races they've been off all winter i'll give them some 30 by 30s just it gets them ready to race like quickly. You know? right, right, so, right. Okay. Um, so the next, the next type of intervals I like to do are just the three minute VO two max intervals. And, um, a lot of pro riders like to do five minutes. The reason I like to do three minutes is because they're easier. Yep. F that five minute VO two max intervals yeah. are rough. They're rough. <laughs> yeah. That's and quite a bit. I think you're going to get about the same benefit from a three minute interval especially as youth cyclists and it will destroy you a little less psychologically yeah yeah, yeah. these um if you're having fun doing these you're probably no yeah. these, these aren't really fun these these yeah. should be somewhat horrifying <laughs> yeah um and, and how i kind of describe it you know on your three minute effort the first minute should be kind of like surprisingly fast like wow this feels fast yeah the second minute should be uncomfortable yeah and by the time you're finishing the third minute you're you're done. having a religious experience right you're yeah. just done like, yeah and that's kind of how they they should feel um so after you do the three minute effort you recover for about two minutes so you're still breathing a, is a your breathing's a little bit elevated but you don't want a complete recovery but you want to feel better you know um and then you do another three minute effort and typically I would probably start with about five three minute efforts and work up to about seven or eight. Okay. These though, um, like these, I think as you progress, like rather than just doing more and more and more, these, I would bump up the intensity a little bit as you progress. You know, once you get to about seven, go back to five and then bump up the intensity a little bit and then just keep kind of progressing them that way. So these are kind of progressing the intensity and the extensity, extensivity of them. Is that a word? Did I just make that extensiveness? up? Extensivity? Extensivity? Is that I a word? I don't think that's a word. I like the word extensivity. Okay. 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 We'll go get the trademark on that. <laughs> Changing our name next year. 
extensivity. Extensivity factory racing. I thought it'd be funny because as that local team zone five racing, if we were zone two racing. I know we should be. Yeah, that'd be funny. That's how I race. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, um, when when you if you're doing these right, they should be like just really really hard, really really uncomfortable. Your yep. breathing should be ragged and a little out of control. Yep. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Really, yeah. how really quick? How long would you rest in between those three minute blocks? Hit that. I again. usually say two minutes. Okay. All right. Um, if you need a little more time, that's fine. If you can do less time, that's fine too. Yep. But you do need to feel like it shouldn't be go time, and you're just like not ready, you know. And as as you're doing more and more of these, you might extend the rest between them. You but know? you shouldn't be like ten minutes in between is too much, right? Like you you want to be. Oh yeah, yeah. That it, it, you should never be excited or like, it, oh, okay, I'm ready for this next one, right? Yeah, too much rest between intervals really changes the way your body produces power for those intervals, and they become more glycolytic. Okay, which um, means, as a reminder, um, less aerobic. Okay. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So these are these these intervals. They're not fun, but they will make you a lot faster. Um. Interesting thing about this type of interval is it's it's actually more beneficial for amateur riders than like amateur riders will, will experience a huge bump from this type of work. Like pro riders, their VO2 max is almost kind of maxed out and they get most of their benefit from lots and lots of volume. Mm -hmm. um, but this this is something that this is you know, e easy money for amateurs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the three minute intervals. The last one I want to talk about, we talked about this a little bit on the specificity. Oh, one thing about the 30 by 30s. Can I just jump back to that real quick? Permission granted. Okay. An interesting thing about the 30 by 30s is they're oddly specific, even though that's not their intention for cross country hmm. racing. Yeah. Okay. I can you see know, that. Like you're kind of getting the, the engine building and the specificity at the same time with 30 by 30s. Because really, you know, if you look at like, the power you're producing during a bike race, it's kind of, it's really on and off. You know, you're going on and then you're off a little bit, then you're on and you know, you go on, you catch somebody, you're off a little bit, you're on and off. But being able to go on and off and on and off for the duration of the race and being okay with that is very, very beneficial. Yeah. And that's why doing, you know, that's why like when you're training the 30 by 30s, just keep doing more and more and more um, is, you know, helps with that repeatability, which is because I've heard like roadies say before that cross country racing is hard because it is so on and off. You know, like in a road race, you're on for a long time, which is something that conversely cross country mountain bikers struggle with. And you go into a road race, is the efforts are so long, but they're never quite as like peaky or up and down. Mm -hmm. And you know, yeah, you know, and working on both those things benefits both disciplines. So, like, if you're a, an adult listening to this who loved cycling and their kid got into cross country mountain biking because that's the cycling that was available to them, and you're starting to do racing or something now, like, if you have a roadie background, that would be huge for you to do some of those. Like, that'll help a lot if you want to be doing some cross country racing, right? Yeah, yeah. So it is. It's it's good. Good specificity as well, and good, really good for repeatability. I'm a pretty big fan of them. So the last one I want to talk about. Um, we talked about this a little bit last week. A race start. Race, oh, yeah. race starts are one of my favorite intervals. Um, how you usually do them, and this can be done a whole bunch of different ways, kind of depending on what race you're preparing for. But basically, you just you, you you're completely rested. You start somewhat cold. Well, you're completely you're warmed up, but you're rested. Okay, and you go all out as hard as you can sustainably go for a minute. Okay, and so by the end of the minute, you're just toast how far as you can sustainably go for a minute so really explain what you mean by that well okay like a, a full-on sprint you can only do for like 10 or 20 seconds like a true sprint i would say five yeah like a like going as hard as you can and like this is this is a, i love this is such an interesting concept to me like how hard can you actually go for x amount of time and then how do you pull that off because like we were talking about how ftp tests used to be an hour long they were kind of bad because it's like really hard to pace yourself for an effort that long so what you mean by that is like how hard you can like your max effort for a minute, right? Which isn't an all out sprint basically, yeah, right? But you're going really, really hard. And by the time of it, you're done. You're just kind of wondering where the, the juice is going to come from. You're right. Just, you know, don't blow up and fall off your bike, but bystanders should be slightly concerned, right? Yeah. Okay. So once that's done, 
then you throttle back a little bit into like kind of a tempo pace or, or a zone two, probably a good, good tempo pace for about five minutes. And, and then you rest for however long you need to rest, like 10, 15 minutes, you know, you how get, many of these would you do? Um, well, we'll talk about, you know, like maybe five. Okay. You know, um, these are, these are super race specific. It's a good way to kind of address the more glycolytic systems. Okay. Um, most of the work I do is completely aerobic and I do a lot of like a lot of sub threshold, a lot of VO2, you know, I don't really touch a lot of the kind of sprint type, but this is a really good, um, really good glycolytic type training effort. I think, um, I think you'll notice just some benefits from that aspect and these type of systems train really, really fast. Uh, These I would do like if a race is coming up in a couple weeks, I'd start doing some of these. Because really quick, I used to call these transition intervals because I always struggled from the transition from race start to that first climb. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people struggle with this. Like this would be a really good practical one to help with cross country. And maybe, maybe like cross too a little bit, but I think really for cross country racing, there's that big aggressive start. But then once you hit the single track, it's kind of different, right? Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's like the key to cross country racing right yeah, there is nailing good that transition from the start. The only thing is, is I would caution you, this is a type of work I wouldn't focus on for more than two weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, like maybe kind of like, I'll, you know, like it's kind of the beginning of the race season. I'll have, you, you might do a couple of weeks, like a couple of weeks of these, like, you know, two of these type workouts before your first race. And then later in the season, close to peaking, you could do a couple of these. Don't do them all season long. You know, it'd, it'd be a pretty easy way to overcook yourself, you know. But, right. you know, used in the right dosage, they're just, they're just awesome. Cool. Okay. So, what probably um, the most important thing, I think, about doing intervals right is knowing when to quit. Ah, yes. Yeah. This is kind of a, this is kind of a hard in between because I think a lot of people quit too early and a lot of people quit way too late. Yeah. You know, like I've said, as a general rule, um, you really re- you don't really want to have workouts ever that take more than one day of easy riding to get over. You know, if, if, if like races should be the only thing doing that, right? Races really should be the only thing that take more than a day to recover from. And so you're getting, when you're doing intervals, you're getting most of the benefit when you're being awesome. When you're sucking, you're really not, all you're doing is just making yourself more tired and making it take longer to recover. So I always, like everyone that's done intervals with me knows that I tell you to stop when you start to suck. Like your, your, your plan could have you do 10 of these and you get to like eight and you just can barely turn the pedals over. You don't, you, that's when you stop. Yep. You know, remember all these numbers are so arbitrary. Like it's usually the number is there because it's easy math, right? Like 10 intervals is makes more sense than eight. Even if 12 would be perfect or seven would be perfect. Like don't get, don't get hung up on that. Right. Yeah. You're really making the benefits when you're doing these in a quality manner. You know, you know, y'all know what it's like, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're on a climb, you start out the climb, you're doing really, really well. And all of a sudden you start to suck and you're not, and you can barely move and, you know, that's, that's when you're really not making any, any gains. So, right. So just know when to stop these, you know, if, if you're able to produce the adequate power, it's feeling right. You're doing well, keep going. Now, if you feel like you need to stop on interval four out of 10, there might be like a pacing issue going on or something. You're probably doing them too hard. Or if you get to the 10th and you're like, Oh, that was, that was no sweat, you know? Oh, well, you know, you probably didn't do them right. You know? So quality, right? When you start to suck, you just stop. You're okay. done. You, you did the work. You were awesome. And then you, 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 you and I think everyone just kind of knows when they hit that point, right? Is that, am I describing I think there's good hurt and bad hurt or like productive hurt. And then you're like, this just doesn't work yeah. anymore. It, get, yeah. it gets to a point where you're just like, this doesn't work anymore. It's just not productive anymore. Yep. Yeah. So don't, if you push past that point, you're just delaying recovery. You're not really getting any good benefits. There's just no good reason. I'm going to rail against Instagram story motivational posts that that mindset does not apply to effective yeah. cycling training. Just Racing maybe. You know. Sure. But just push through, go harder. You know, it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> that doesn't be smart. Usually, you know, usually, especially with the VO two max intervals is quality is more important than quantity. 
Right. You know, the the sweet spot type stuff and maybe the 3030s, I think the quantity is better than quality. But once you get into the VO2 max type stuff, that's when quality is more important than quantity. So if you're supposed to do seven and you can only get through four, that's all you were supposed to do that day. Yep. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. So, yeah, hopefully this is helpful. Um, you know, again, these, like when we talked about the analogy about the cupcake, you know, this is the icing on the cupcake. Um, you really have to build a big, awesome cupcake by doing lots of, you know, the majority of the work you, sh you do should be relatively easy, aerobic, zone two. And then when it's time to do this type of work, I like to think of it as just, you know, if it's an interval day or if it's a hard day, you kind of, I always pretend like I'm flipping a switch on my chest or something like a little dial that you turn, meaning that you're doing something different today. And what you're doing today should feel different than your group ride that you normally do or your zone two rides or something. You really are. It, Activate know. interval mode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well, that's, that's all I have on that. Is that? No, that's fair enough. Do we have a secret word today? Um, let's see. Let's see. What would be a good topical one for Mother's Day? Flowers. Flowers. The secret word is flowers. All right. Well, if you folks have any questions, make sure to send them our way. Uh, get out and ride. Be very safe, um, uh, especially if you're doing intervals on the road. Want to reiterate that one more time. If you have any questions, you folks uh, know where to send them. Happy Mother's Day to everyone out there. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week, hopefully from a new, uh, a new place with less echoey walls that's full of furniture. <laughs> Talk to you then.